Hey friends, this is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Gcast episode 94. And I'm on with this amazing human. His name is Anthony Gann, and he is a dear friend of mine. He's also a friend of the podcast. Um, several of his circle has been interviewed here. Stephanie Moores, y'all know, aka Sister Wife, and Gina Pollard. So, Anthony, welcome to the Hi. podcast. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And congratulations is in order. You walked and you got your MSW degree today, yes? Yes, 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 ma'am. I actually walked in the Rainbow Convocation today. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah. I love that. So, um, so it'll be a few months before this airs, but that's okay. And so the congrats is still in order. So tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words before we kind of jump right in. Okay, so my name is Anthony Gian. I'm 24. Um, I just got my master's in social work, so really excited about that. Um, I'm actually a brand new therapist, so I'm doing therapy with children and families, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's my favorite thing. Um, I'm Latino. I'm gay. I am a first generation like student and um, or ex student now. But yeah, so that's a little bit about me. I. Currently, um, just started a new job as a therapist, so that's kind of fun. I, I just applied for my first apartment, so I'm just moving on up, you know, hopefully yeah, buying a new are. car soon. So just, yeah, a lot of things. Um, a little bit about myself is I'm Salvadorian. My parents are from El Salvador, so that's fun. Um, and then I come from a very interesting background um, with lots of different things, I guess. So, yeah, we can talk a little bit more about that. Yes, let's do that. So... You raise a couple different things, so it speaks to how we hold so many different identities. Mm -hmm. Some people, and I'm sure you studied this a lot in social work, um, there's a term, um, intersectionality, some people call different terms, like um, out of respect for creators of that term, but Essentially, it's this essence that we wear multiple hats or we have different pieces of our identity. And for me, I, um, I can't speak to one without speaking to the rest. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of hard to pull them apart. And sometimes society, especially in this country, wants you to pull apart different identities without realizing that we're all one person. How has that played out in your life? Because you've spoken to um, some of your like cultural background. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. I yeah. I think it's just like, I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that because last night, um, I was decorating my cap for graduation mm -hmm. and on my cap, it's like Latino, uh, plus first generation plus gay equals resilient, um, AF of course. And so as, as I was thinking about that, you know, I was like, wow, like all these pieces make up who I am. Um, and I think before I saw them as separate things and now I see them as one. And I'm starting to see it more as one whole, one whole person. You know, um, I think it's very difficult, I think in general, to be a person of color, to be Latino, and then to be a first generation. Because when, as a first generation, like adult and child, like I went to school and I decided to go to college and I decided to get my undergrad and then go to ma like grad school. And so doing that, like you kind of go through this like breakaway um, 
part where you break away from your family because family in, in the Latino culture is the biggest thing. And I've always been somebody who had to break away from my own family to pursue what I wanted to pursue. Um, and so that was difficult. You know what I mean? So to be able to be first generation is difficult to be Latino in this country is difficult. Um, and on top of that, like then me being gay, like being gay in, in my culture, my family culture, um, at first wasn't accepted. It wasn't the thing, you know? And so I think it's been difficult to embrace them because the circles around me didn't embrace me. And now actually I decided that I was going to embrace me and I didn't care if people embraced me or not. I needed to embrace me. I needed to choose myself. So, excuse me. So to be able to look at all those labels and I guess labels or identifiers for me, Mm -hmm. like make me who I am. And it's just so beautiful because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I get to speak into all these different types of communities and I get to be a part of all of them. Um, and there are other people who are just like me, you know, Latino and first generation and gay. And I love that. And I thought that, I don't know, I just think it's super cool. No, it is really cool. I remember I ended things with my partner four months ago, five months ago. Um, and the last thing I said to him was, if you're not picking me, I'm picking me. Yep. And it was really powerful statement. It was not meant to be hurtful to him. It was meant to empower myself. And, you know, I, I agree with you when people are able to, in a healthy manner, embrace the identifiers, right? The things that make them who they are. Right. Without discounting it and still being willing to work on some of the character traits that might get in their way. But mm-hmm. the, fact that you are Latino or some people say Latinx, you know, um, and gay and a first generation student or, you know, you've graduated, but um, having been one of the first or the first in your family to go to college is a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, Did it feel like a burden for you? Um. So I have five brothers and one sister and my sister went to trade school. Um, and then, uh, my brother was going to school, but no one really got a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt a lot of pressure to make sure that I did something with myself. Right. And then on top of that, I've always been the one who was like, good at school. (laughs) And so I felt like there was a lot of pressure to, to be somebody, um, and then after you know, my undergrad, I was like, I'm not going back for masters. That's a lot of work. And then I realized in social work, you need a master's. So I went back. Um, and yeah, I guess there was a lot of pressure. Um, but at the end of the day, I wanted it more for me than anything else. I love that. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, um, it's a powerful thing. It's an important thing to acknowledge, you know, where you are in the process um, and beyond where you are, that it's for you, that it's not like you owe no one anything um, Mm -hmm. and still be a part of community, right? Like still be able to show up for your community, acknowledging their part, like, sister wife went to your graduation today, you know, and she's know. Part. that was so powerful. How was it powerful for you or how did, you know, 
tell us about that, that experience. So I came out about a year ago um, and I actually didn't tell my dad until the day before my 24th birthday. Um, and so what's crazy is that a year ago, um, sister wife, <laughs> Steph was taking my pictures, um, for graduation. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna wear like a blue button down and like pants and some boots. And like, I don't want to be like in my head. I was like, I don't want to be too gay because you know, I'm not gay or I was in so much denial. And then Stephanie was taking my pictures and she like, we were just talking about things and like people are able to love who they love. And I was like, yeah, like that's cool. And I, my heart was like racing. I was like, gonna throw up. And then I looked at her and I said, is it okay if I like boys? And she was like, um, babe, you're allowed to love who you want. And she really created that safe space for me. And I didn't even know her that well just then. Like I was, you know, I was in her brother's wedding because her um, sister-in-law is my best friend as well. And so I was like, you know, she took my pictures, we became really close and um, she gave me permission to be free and be me and truly be myself. And so over time, like maybe a couple weeks after I was like, I think I'm bi. And then I was like, actually I'm gay. <laughs> and like, I, she, she allowed me to like, gave me that space to explore myself. So then today no one could go to my rainbow convocation, but she was the only one. So she was the one there today to celebrate me and follow through on giving me that safe space. So that for me was like so, so, so powerful, you know? That's so beautiful. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, and she just put out, so this will not be current at the time that this comes out, but she put out the creative mysticism Mm -hmm. sessions. And there's been a lot of, people um lately that have come out with something similar of like shifting your mindset and you healing you and all that and that's something you talked about that I wanted to um circle back to you so I want to know what kind of work have you done or what are the things that led up to you feeling comfortable um coming out you said that Staff created a safe space for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and like kind of what did that look like in terms of the self-work that you did? And what do you feel has been the biggest thing that has allowed you to accept yourself and be unapologetic, which is my 2018 word, by the way? I love it. I think that was my, I think I wrote that in my 2018 like goals, like New Year's resolution thing. Um, well, I think there's this question is like multiple multiple little like I don't know areas um and I'm gonna summarize them really tiny and fast Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um I grew up in a big home big household um a little bit about my family is that my mother is a part of the LGBTQ community so my parents separated and that was very difficult for my dad and so growing up it was I heard a lot of the negative things about my mom and so I was like, oh, like, you know, my mom is this person and, you know, I would judge her because of her sexual orientation. And, um, and I, I was a child, I had no idea. And then growing up, like, I was the boy who like put on my sister's high heels and I was the boy who like yearned to play with Barbies or like, I would watch my mom put on makeup and would tell my mom, like, mommy, your makeup is so gorgeous. I love that lip color on you. And I was like three or four, you know, so that was the boy that I was as a child. And so growing up, like moving, I, I moved to Arizona with my dad. My dad took us away from my mom. Mm. And, um, and I don't know, I, that's their problem. You know, I don't really know uh, all the details, but I do know that that was the hardest thing for me 
And then he had a girlfriend who was abusive and I went through all these different types of abuse. And so I was like, I remember being in junior high and was like, I want to die and I hate my life. And the teacher saw it one day. I wrote it on a book with Silly Putty or something. And she was like, if I see this again, I'm going to send you to the social worker. And I was like, oh no, I'm not going to social worker. I'm going to get taken away from my parents. I have like so much fear that I was like, oh my gosh, I got to pretend everything's okay. And so then like, I was just like happy, you know, quote unquote, like I thought I was like the happiest kid and I really hated myself in junior high. So then fast forward in high school, um, I started doing theater and um, someone was like, you know, come to church. And I was like, I don't go to the church thing. Mm -mm." And my dad was very adamant that he was a Christian, like always, I'm a Christian, we're Christian, we're Christian, we're Christian. And he was like, come to church. And there was so much abuse at home that like, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can go to church now. Like, I'm going to go to church just because I don't want to be home. So I'm going to church on Wednesdays, so I'm going to church on Sundays, and um, I fell in love with Jesus. I really did. And I, and I still do. I do love Jesus. But I think that I went from being abused in one way mm-hmm. to being spiritually abused in another. Sure. And I think at the beginning, it was so beautiful because I felt so loved. But then I saw the destruction that is a church. And so going through all these different things, like, I had to do so much work in healing from all these different types of abuse. And I went from church to church to church, looking for a place where I would feel loved. And then I realized like, I need to love myself. And um, there were times where boys in the church would make comments about gay people and would be like, oh, gays are like this or gays would do that. And then they would joke around and like smack each other's butts and like smack mine. And like, I didn't like that, but I didn't Mm -hmm. have the courage to say that, you know, I didn't know. And and then also, like, when people would have, they would call it, like, the homosexual struggle. You know, it was like, oh, well, Anthony's struggling and someone else is struggling. We need to pray for them. And I was like, yeah, let's pray for, like, each other and all of us. And I was like, oh, like, when I look back, like, I probably hurt some people in that, too. But I went from being, like, from being abused and manipulated to being abused and manipulated in a whole new way for me. Right. So it was just so traumatic, you know? And then when I realized that I needed a break... I just felt like broken to pieces. I didn't know what to do. When Steph took my pictures, I was like, yeah, I started going to counseling and I was going to counseling for like four months. And I have this awesome counselor. Her name was Fatima. And um, she just gave me so much permission to be who I needed to be. And she taught me about my like, you know, gender expression and like what my sexuality is. And, you know, I was like, yeah, like I'm gay. And I was like, I don't need to embrace it. And I woke up one day, because I would wake up every day and say, I hate my life. And I woke up one day and I was like, no more. This is an awful way to live. Right. No more. No more. So I had to do the work in that. I had to get educated. I had to feel, I, had to, I, I just had to give myself permission, really. Um, and the biggest help, I think, would be the social work program at ASU. Mm. Um, because the undergrad program was like pushing so much diversity and diversity, diversity, diversity. And it made me more and more and more uncomfortable because I knew that inside I had a secret that no one knew. Mm-hmm. I even gave a presentation one time about how um, people thought I was gay and I wasn't. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And then now I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I wonder if I heard somebody in that room. Mm-hmm. If I could go back and do that again, I would say people need to just let me be. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I feel like I came out when, I, when it was safe for me to do so. That's right. 
and I, and I lost so much, but it was like the best thing I could have done. And then I met Steph and her friends and your, you guys and all that circle just took me in when I needed it the most. And so, yeah, I think the social work program was one of the biggest factors. And then meeting Stephanie for sure, I think was one of the biggest things for me. Um, and leaving the church completely, sure. you know, and to figure out what I believe and why I believe it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that when I worked at this job, um, the one previously um, before this one, I had a coworker who was like, Anthony, what do you believe? And I would like say these comments. She was like, but why do you believe that? Why do you believe what you believe? And that changed the whole course of everything. That started like, that started the whole, the downfall of who Anthony used to be. Yeah. Well, it's it's so cool that you've had, you know, and I think that's what the divine does is put the right people in our lives at the right time. Mm You know, and asking questions is a really important part of the story, right? Of, you know, well, why do we believe the way that we believe? It's like racism or xenophobia or sexism or um, homophobia or, you know, any of these things. They are learned behaviors. Nobody slides. That's right. Nobody slides down the birth canal hating someone's dif- that's different from them it's just not a thing right because right. i believe we're created as love you know and we are created by love you know the divine is love and so mm-hmm. then unfortunately we get connected with people that have aft up belief systems right mm-hmm. and those people procreate um and start to raise their little people the same way you yep. know which is is really sad because what do i care if somebody i tell people and this might come across as crass and i'm not sorry for that what people put in their mouth nutritionally and sexually is not my concern it has no bearing on my life right yep. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so if totally. you are vegan or you only eat steak, <laughs> like, okay, yeah. you know, it cool. works for you, make a difference. In right. Now, I do say that I do understand some of the implications of our decision. So mm-hmm. I'm not head in the clouds, feet not on the ground. Like, I, right. I do understand that how we treat animals, for example, in the U.S., many places, is deplorable. Um, And so I don't feel good about that. That's also not what we're talking about right now on this podcast. So (laughs) I don't want to see it derailed, but I just want to acknowledge to my friends that have slightly different views, but totally understand and respect me. And I feel the same way about them. I do Mm -hmm. not condone, you know, those things. What I am saying though is, if we were able to adopt in many ways a live and let live, um, I can't say that I want equal rights and not extend equal rights to you. That, yes. that doesn't make sense. Right. You know, someone getting married, two adults getting married, regardless of gender, preference, orientation, whatever you want to call it, right. it doesn't have, it doesn't, it's not pie. I, I saw this meme once and it was like, you know, you, you being having the right to marry whomever you want and love whomever you want, me having that same right, it's one I for sure take 
for granted, right? Mm -hmm. um, because one of the privileges I do enjoy is that I'm straight. Um, mm -hmm. And so it doesn't take away, Anthony, if you get married right. to a man. Like that doesn't take anything away from my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so if I learn to live my life in that way and understand that you getting married, you having children, whether naturally or adopting or mm -hmm. a surrogate, you know, does not have any negative implications or effect on my life. Mm -hmm. Right. So me not wanting you to have those same rights that I enjoy. Right. It has, it begs the question, why, mm -hmm. you know, and I have not found any good reasons. Like I haven't heard any good, not found, heard any good reasons for why right. people are against, um, Right. 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 I, I'm still confused about that because it doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Or even like, even just for me too, like, why is that a, why is that a topic or a question that, that people need to ask me? Like what gives them the right to say that? You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's why, like, and like you said before, you said, you just said too, you said, um, when we have certain like things that we identify as like, um, or we believe like it also kind of attaches us to those people who have said awful things, you know, that's why for me, my labels are not Christian. My labels are not, you know, those I, um, I think it's been used as a weapon for too long and I can't tell people that I love everyone and have that label because that label comes with so much hurt or so much oppression that <laughs> they've, you know, they've oppressed so many people. And so, um, yeah, I agree a hundred percent with what you said. I think that, um, and, and like you said, like, I don't know why people think it affects them. Yeah. We'll just ponder that for a second, Anthony. Y'all were thinking, we're just taking a break to think about why this affects them. <laughs> we're mm -hmm. like, did you come up with an answer? Nope. <laughs> Not one. No. Nope. As you can see me behind me with my rainbow flag. No. Right. <laughs> me either. You know. And a, and a big thing is, like you said, conditioned, right? I think we're, we're conditioned. We are conditioned to be racist. We're conditioned to be um, homophobic. We're conditioned to be xenophobic. Mm -hmm. These are all learned behaviors. Yep. It is. You know what I mean? So. I, I agree. Think. So what is something that surprised you and how did your dad respond? Because you mentioned coming out to him the day before your 24th birthday. So what was his response like? And what was something that surprised you in a positive way? We'll, we'll end with that one. I mean, not end the podcast, but like <laughs> we'll come back to that one. Okay. So we'll talk so, about your dad and then what surprised you in a not so positive way and then what surprised you in a positive way. Okay. So I, so it's kind of, I don't know, this, this is difficult because when I was in, I was in therapy for myself, I, she had said, what are your goals? And I was like, well, my goals are to come out to the people I live with who are like pretty much my adoptive parents. It's my friend's parents. And then I was like, and come out to my, my dad. Um, and 
it was hard and I didn't want to do it, but I knew I had to because I don't want to live. I, I told myself I didn't want to live a lie. So, you know, I was impulsive one day and I was like, my birthday's tomorrow. Like I'm going to be 24. And I was like, I'm excited. And I was like, there's something still not right. I'm like, I want to bring in 24 being my whole self. So I went over to my dad's and he was like, hi, how's it going? I was like, good. And then uh, he was in the bathroom and then I sat in his bed and I was like, can we talk in your room? He's like, sure, what's going on? So then I showed the door and I told him, I said, um, dad, tomorrow's my birthday and I don't want to bring in 24, let me go lie. And I was like, oh, crying, you know, ugly, like, like, like Kim K um, crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dad, um, I am gay. And his response was not the best. Um, it was a lot of, you know, if you get married, I'm not coming to your wedding kind of talk. It was a lot of, um, you know, if, you, if that's what you think you are, or if you don't think that God can heal you or change you. And it was so hard and hurtful for me um, because the one person that I needed there was my dad. The one person I wanted to be on my side was my dad. Um, and that was the hard part. But I also know that my dad had a lot of hurt that he didn't want to say when it came to his own marriage and his own work, right? So I had to remind myself, like, this is harder for him and hits home because not only did him and his marriage fall through because of his choices and also because like my mom chose to allow herself to be who she really was. Sure. And, and so that hurt him. And to now have us, and he would say all these comments and all these derogatory comments about gay people all the time. And then finally to have a son who's gay just like shook his world. So it was negative in his response, immediate response. But it was so positive in the sense that it shook him. My dad now, the positiveness I guess now is, my dad no longer makes derogatory comments about gay people. He talks positive about gay people. He's complimented me on my makeup before. Um, because my gender expression is fluid. Like, I love wearing makeup. I love those kind of things. I love getting my nails done. I have gold glitter toes right now. Like, and I, I think that shook him. And my aunt was like, this is your son. My, his sister was like, this is your son. You need to love him for who he is. You can't change him. This is just who he always was. And I like that changed everything for him. I don't know where he's at, but I know that um, my hope is that one day when I do get married, he's able to be there, you know? Um, so that was positive. And then when I told um, the dad of the people I live with, I told him before I told my dad because it was just so convenient. And when I told him, he just, actually, no, I told him after my dad because um, he was on a mission trip in Africa. And then when I got back, I was like, I need to talk to you about something. And I told him and he cried with me and he hugged me and he held me. And he said, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I'm going to cry. I don't want to cry. <laughs> but it was like so healing for me because although my father couldn't do that right away, there was a father who did. And so that was special. Um, and so that was a positive. I love that. Now question for you, Anthony. Um, you mentioned your mom earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you have a relationship with her? 
Um, yeah, I think uh, I do. I love my mother. Love her to death. Um, she lives in a different state, so sure. that's difficult. Um, but my mom, we had a rocky relationship because as a child, all I heard was ever saw them um can you hear me okay now i can yeah okay so um okay so yeah so i do love my mom I, my mom lives in a different state so it's a little difficult um but i think growing up as a child all i heard was a negative about my mom and all i saw was the negative about my mom but what i didn't know was that like she lost her children she had to grieve that and my mom was you know you know she's um was a stay-at-home mom you know she only spoke spanish and so when my dad was like okay i'm taking the kids and we're leaving she felt helpless she didn't know how to fight for me and so um i didn't understand that as a child i just thought oh she didn't she doesn't want me you know and so when i turned 21 i was like all right mom like i want to have a relationship with you and i want to get to know you and let's talk and she's like okay so i went over and we just I don't know. I just started getting to know my mom and, you know, I talked to her growing up as a child, but I, I only saw the hardest, the, 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 the bad parts of her because of what she had to deal with losing her children. She didn't get to raise me. She didn't know if I ate every day, like imagine how difficult that could be as a mom, you know, feeling sure. so helpless and, you know, my dad wasn't the kindest either. And so um now like I love my mom like we talk all the time when I told her she's like I already knew and she was like I'm so glad you're not dating that girl anymore <laughs> and she was like um I am just so proud of you and this is who you are son I want you to call your uncle because your uncle has some good advice um because my uncle's gay too and so I was like all right all right I'll call him. so it was just like the healthiest most loving thing um I go there for Thanksgiving or I go there for Christmas and I hang out with her um, I just, I love my mom. My mom's awesome and she's strong and bold and we have so much in common. And it's funny because when I went over there for Thanksgiving, um, she was doing her makeup. And as a child, she told me, she's like, you could just stare at me and say, mom, I love your lipstick. And it was so healing for me because they would do my makeup next to my mom and she did her makeup. And it was just like, oh, this amazing feeling. I love that. So any last words of advice or experience you have, and I guess specifically to someone who may not be where you are, um, and to people, I almost said young people, because you're young people, but mm -hmm. even people maybe younger than you, um, that might be kind of at a crossroads to... Um, you know, go towards healing and honesty and hope mm -hmm. or go towards continuing to live a lie that they feel like they need to live? Mm -hmm. I would say my advice is, comes in a few parts. So real quickly, the first thing is always assess for safety. Sure. If it's not safe to come out, don't do it because your safety is important. Um, you know, as hard as that is, you know, lot, lots of youth end up on the streets because their families don't agree with it and they say, get out of my house. Sure. Um, I was fortunate enough that that didn't happen to me, but it could have, right? And so I think that um, there's always that risk. And so always just like assess for that. For that. Um, 
I always tell people, find somebody that you trust the most and that you know will support you in whatever you do and talk to that person and have that conversation of like, hey, I want to tell you something, but you cannot tell anybody else because it's my story. That's right. And once you find that strong person, then you don't have to do it alone anymore. Because when I came out to my family and I came out to people that I knew were not going to react well and people that are no longer my friends, I had a strong bond with such, so such close friends that I texted them and said, hey, I'm going to do something hard today. Be with me. And they're like, we're here with you. So find your tribe. Find those people that you trust. Yeah. If you're a child, find that adult that you trust. There are some awesome educators and, t- and teachers who, you know, are so, like, they have signs in the rooms that say, like, we support LGBTQ, LGBTQ+, you know, um, and those teachers, like, for the most part, if they, you know, advocate for, for the LGBTQ community, then it is safe. Go to them. If you're a young person, go to them. If you're in school, go to them. Ask those questions, yeah. you know? Um, if you have a school counselor, most of the time the counselors are open. And so go to them and say, hey, I have a question, you know? Um, and if not, start online. Just lots of discussion and fo- like boards and forums where you can ask those questions to people, you know, but always make sure that your safety is a priority. Um, I would also say that counseling and therapy was the biggest help for me. Um, just regular plain therapy with no, um, with no, you know, religious or conservative motive in the background. And the reason I really like therapy is because the confidentiality portion, <clears throat> whatever we talk about stays in the room, right? They can't break the confidentiality unless your safety is at risk. So when you have a therapist, you can say, Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I need you to help me through this. <laughs> so That's I always right. push people have access to those things. Do it. Yeah. So thank you so much, Anthony. I loved talking to you. Um, Me too. Because I always learn so much good stuff from you. And, you know, part of having conversations when you get an opportunity to listen more than you speak, Mm -hmm. you can um, maybe see some areas in your own life that you are privileged in and Mm -hmm. that you can afford to learn something about um, or more about um, and just continue to grow right as Mm -hmm. a human because no one knows everything no one has the market cornered on the information yet it's available if you are interested in getting educated on some stuff you can certainly read, you can certainly listen and talk to people with their own lived experiences, you know, right. get a better sense of what their life has been like um, mm-hmm. and not make it about yourself and not get defensive. Right. I was telling Anthony about a, a Facebook thread in which I was a part because there was a woman who was woefully and willfully ignorant. Um, and mm-hmm. I saw that she just posted something and I was just like, she's not done. She still wants to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> she is not 
People are sharing their lived experience, which is contrary to the BS she's talking about, and she's yeah. is at it, you know. Yep. And um, and then has the nerve to be like, "I'm tired too." No, you're not. <laughs> you're still no. No. talking, you know. Um, yep. And something, a notification just came through. Still talking, and it's like, <laughs> what the hell? Um, you're like, I don't know. No, nope. <laughs> Just like go sit somewhere and ponder out what you, all your ponder, comments. Ponder, <laughs> please. Just reflect. Take reflect. time to reflect. Exactly. Practice mindfulness, right? That's right. That's right. So yeah, no, yes. I loved what you've shared, Thank and you. I really do feel like you're a powerhouse, and that um, the work that you have done personally, um, and obviously professionally, to get that degree. Um, when all odds weren't necessarily stacked in your favor mm-hmm. is a huge testament to your grit, your determination, your resilience. Right. And I so appreciate that um, because it's always an example to me and to others, you know, when we, when we um, are part of community. So right. I honor your sacrifices and what you've done yeah. and, how you've come out on the other side and that you actually had a safe space to disclose this very important part of yourself. That is a part of your, the cells that you, and how you were created. Right. So I'm really glad that you were able to do that. And I know me too. I think I, my hope is that in the future we have those, pa- those spaces are already created where we don't have to create those for ourselves. That's where we right. have those spaces created, you know, and, and where even, um, you know, the isms within the LGBTQ community as well, you know, being a person of color and gay is a whole different ball game than being just white and gay. And that's the truth. That's true. You know, and so I, my hope is that we, we continue to do the work as a community together. Yeah. Allies, I, people in the community, people of color, that we all come together and do the work together. That's there's still right. a lot of work to be done. Yeah. That's right. Well, next episode, maybe I'll have you and Stefan next time. Ooh, that could fun. be fun, right? Yeah, that could be okay. so fun. We'll have a chit chat, the three of us. Maybe we'll add a fourth. So, thank you so much again. Thank you. So fun. Uh, so fun. As my nephew Harris will be like, so cute. <laughs> I asked him once. I love it. He has a lisp. So I was like, How cute are you? And he was like, So cute. I'm like, Yes, you are. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's do. Let's do this one. All right. I like this one. We might do a couple. Okay. Okay. So here's to be a guy and it says, I'm a, pro- I'm producing a podcast right now and I keep coming home pissed off. I dread getting emails from my collaborators. I get angry every time they disagree with my approach. It's just that I want to feel proud of what I create. I want everything that I make to be a reflection of myself. And that's impossible when you're working with collaborators. So I have to get better at separating myself from my work. Every project doesn't need to represent me as a human. The reality is the podcast is bigger than me. 
there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of people involved. And for some reason, I'm the only one that's pissed off. If I keep saying that the problem is everyone else and one by one, they're saying the problem is me, then it's probably me. I like that. That's true. Hmm. And then this appears to be a father and his two kids. Having twins made me a more relaxed parent. When you watch two kids grow up at the same time, it makes you less concerned about benchmarks. Each of them had different talents and struggles. He could do all the physical stuff first. We had to put a net on the crib because he was always climbing out. He could <laughs> swim first. He learned to ride a bike several years earlier than her, but she was potty trained first. She was reading by the age of three, and she was much better at drawing pictures. Her fire trucks always had four wheels, and his were just red scribbles. <laughs> if I had only had one child, I'd probably have been obsessing over these talents and struggles. I think every parent needs to feel like their child is special. But twins made me realize that all children grow differently, and it's absurd to rank and classify them as, at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Love those. Yeah, that's so good. Right? So true. Okay. So, friends, thank you so much for supporting this podcast and for telling me that it has been meaningful to you. I look forward to more thoughts and inspiration from you. Who do you want to hear from? I will work my hardest and my took us off to get you um, what you want. If you would like to support this podcast financially, you can go over to www.patreon.com forward slash the type A hippie, T-H-E-T-Y-P-E-A-H-I-P-P-I-E. And give a couple bucks a month or more. And I think that's it. So yeah. Anthony, love you so much. And Thank you. Love you. Of course. And I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there's only one of us. So friends, <laughs> Have a great, did you like that? That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Have a gratitude filled rest of your day. Until next time, my name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie. And this is the Type A Hippie podcast, SheCast episode 94. Namaste. Namaste.